1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Believe in the Browns. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and we're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Today, we're doing a deep dive on the Browns as they head into the bye week. We know we can't lose this one, but what about the game against Seattle, Tony? Tony?
1: Uh, you know, looking back against uh, looking back at that game against Seattle, I think a couple things um, pop up. You um, know, unfortunately, they're the same things that have popped up for the uh, the five previous weeks. Also, um, just a lack of discipline um, across the board, uh, a ton of mental errors, um, the turnover bug, especially in the red zone, um, remains to be a problem. And um, it's just it doesn't seem like. In any phase of the game, we're getting better. Uh, yeah, I mean, even special teams, which was the one thing we could kind of hang our hat on every week, uh, we had the block punt, which, um, you know, in many ways was just another turnover. And um, you're just simply not going to beat a team like Seattle with the players that they have um, making errors like that. It's just not going to happen. If you look at Russell Wilson, um, you know, right now a lot of people are, you know, bannering his name as the he's the MVP potentially um he limits his mistakes um, you know I think the one thing you can kind of make a comparison between him and um Baker you know that was one of the things before the game is it was really a matchup of two guys that are evenly sized right I mean physically <laughs> um you know physically both talented physically both maybe limited in height but you could see the difference between the two um which I, I know it's not really fair at this stage in Baker's career to maybe compare him to Russell Wilson, but at least it gives us the ability to see what he needs to become in order to be successful. Um, he has to start doing the things that Russell Wilson does, and that's limiting the turnovers, um, taking control of the offense, and um, putting up points. Is, um, that
0: a, is that a function of, of play calling, though? Because it seems like even though they have Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, against all of the analytics, right, Try to establish the run and do a great job of that, even though they have a borderline MVP candidate at quarterback. Whereas the Browns, they're putting it seems like they're putting it all in Baker's hands, even though they have a good running game,
1: and he's turning the ball over. Well, yeah, well, I mean, it's, it it comes down to coaching, and it comes down to the fact that um, no matter what you look at um, statistically. You know, offense, defense, whatever, we were clearly out coached in that game. And yes, you're dead on with that, um, with that take because if you look at Seattle, they were up 20 to 6. Or we were up 20 to 6 on Seattle. We were running the ball effectively to get to 20 to 6. And then we stopped running the ball. And they started running the ball to kind of get the offense up and running. And, and they were gashing us. I mean, they were getting three, four, five yards at a pop. And, and they slowly but surely started clawing back into the game. Obviously, the, the turnovers, we helped them in that regard. But, I mean, you just, what you saw there was a coach who knows what he's doing, knows his personnel, is confident in his personnel, and someone who I think right now I'm not really sure that Freddie Kitchens is confident in what he has. Um, at least the play calling doesn't reflect that. Um, because it, you know, if you were looking at Nick Chubb, he was clearly on fire in that first half. And when you're up 20 to 6, conventional wisdom is, let's continue to run, let's continue to get first downs, let's continue to control the clock. Because if we can limit the amount of times that Seattle has the ball, you know, eventually they're going to run out of time and they're not going to be able to tie us. But when you start, you know, throwing the ball instead of continuing to run the ball, and now you're throwing the ball and throwing interceptions, you're doing the complete opposite of what you need to do. You're turning the ball over, giving Seattle the opportunities they need to score, and then they roared right back over uh, they scored one point, um, you know, 19 unanswered points or w- whatever it happened to be. And, and and that just, you can't allow that to happen. It just, just can't. Okay, so then, is it the players,
0: or is it the coaching? I mean, we, we seem to be having this conversation where it's, it's the play calling and not necessarily the players on the field. I believe
1: because of the poor coaching, it, it also is, is permeating into the play of the players. I mean, you can, you, can, you know, the coaching, I get it with the play calling, uh, and not running the ball, not doing the fundamental things, that's one thing. But mentally, we still have the mental errors. I think right now, we lead the league with 57 penalties. Uh, you, you know, it, you can't do that. I mean, the average for the league is, is somewhere like 40, 42, somewhere around there. I, I mean, for us to be getting 15 more penalties than the, than the average, that you're not going to win games by doing that. And, and a lot of that, at some point, it falls on the players. Um, they've got to get better at what they're doing. They are professionals. Um, at the same time, not to keep going back and forth, but at the same time, I still remember during training camp how it was such a big deal because Freddie Kitchens was having the guys run wind sprints when they were making mental errors in the preseason. And, and during training <laughs> camp, all of our fans were wild. And go Freddie, he's old school. You know, He's, he's going to get these guys in shape. That was, that was ten weeks ago now, twelve weeks ago now, so in, in twelve weeks time, we you know after all the wind sprints and all the all the big tough talk and old school and we're still jumping off sides, we're still guys lining up in formations uh, wrong. I, I mean that must have happened in the, in the first half alone. I probably saw four or five times where we had guys lining up in the wrong formation and and other players. Or Baker, you know, other wide receivers, or Baker had to physically slide them into the right spot. You can't have that happening, not 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 week six of the season.
0: Okay, so before we get into Baker, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show at your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary. Tune in, we're on all of them. You can also find us at believe.com that's B L E A V dot com and at believe podcasts B L E A V podcasts. So on to Baker, Tony. Everybody's talking about, oh, he leads the league in difficult interceptions, tipped interceptions, whatever it is. To me, he's throwing the ball behind guys all the time. You can't expect guys to regularly make those catches. If you're throwing it behind them, that's on you. That's not on anybody else.
1: You know, and it's the funniest thing to me is when you hear someone say, you can't put that on Baker. The guy got two hands on it okay so yes, the guy got two hands on it, but the guy got two hands on it while he was running full speed in one direction <laughs> the opposite and, direction in the opposite <laughs> direction and he had to turn turn his complete body knowing that a defender is closing on him he has to turn away from said defender and try to locate the ball and yes he got his two hands on it but he's like I said his momentum is taking him in the complete other direction so, uh, yeah, him throwing the ball behind the players, it's happened multiple times. Um, multiple times this game, but multiple times this season. And he just doesn't look like he's comfortable back there. He, he And it doesn't look like he's making hes making the correct reads a lot of times either. Um, I, I don't know if he's just having trouble when he gets up to the line seeing what the defense is and, and knowing what they're going to do. But oftentimes, once he snaps that ball, it's as if, everything that's going on on the other side of the ball is something that he is not familiar with and and that I don't know how that happens how is this offense not executing
0: that's my question we have receivers in Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry that should be able to open up the field a little bit so you shouldn't be able to pack it what's malfunctioning here with this team on the offensive side of the ball that they cannot get anything going on any kind of
1: consistent basis well, the biggest problem is we're stuck on should be. I mean, we should be. We should be great. But we are not. We, we are stuck on, you know, what should be happening. Um, the players, I think, they come into the games. Um, yeah, we should be better than the other team. We should have had a great game on, on Sunday. I mean, we had all the advantages. Um, and, you know, being up 20-6, to six, I mean, we should have won that game. But the what we're running into is... What should be happening isn't happening, and it's not happening because I think there's an intense lack of focus. You know, I know it's going to come across as me being petty, but I think there's still, if you're there, if you're there, don't just watch the game on TV. I mean, if you're there the whole entire time, and you're watching pregame, it starts in pregame warm-ups. You've got guys that are so focused on things that are not, they don't have anything to do with the game, that I really feel like it's starting to permeate into what we're doing once the game starts. And uh, for example, I mean, we've got guys who, um, and I don't want to get petty here, but like the, the whole Phil Collins drum solo thing for Baker. I mean, you will literally see them try to time up warm-up drills so that they coincide with the drum solo. Uh, you know, that is something that should not be going on. Uh, that That's... It's like Mickey Mouse college stuff. Are you are um, you bashing the millennials, Tony? Uh, no, I'm not bashing them. <laughs> and I'm certainly not bashing Phil Collins. Um, but uh, it, it's just that, and you see the players, I feel like they're more focused on, you know, they'll all come out with different gear on, so they, they've got their different shoes, and they've got different arm band. Like, they're so focused on stuff that has nothing to do with winning or losing. But then you watch Seattle come out, there's none of that stuff. There was none of that pretentious stuff they came up they went through their warm-ups uh, went through all their you know different receiving you know you know patterns and got all that stuff down to circle back though does that is that
0: a function of having a Pete Carroll versus having a Freddie Kitchens where Pete Carroll hey you know what he had people want to bash him for what he the Patriots but he, he was okay there he wasn't okay. great but he was okay he learned from that went to USC was dominant there and then now comes to Seattle, and they've been a contender ever since he's been there. Is that a function of him saying this is how we do it, this is how we need to do game day, and the Browns just not having that
1: strong leadership? I, I, I'd like to believe, but the fu- the funny thing is, Pete Carroll's probably the most loosey goosey. Co- that that's the that's where I guess I, it's the whole thing. Trust me, anybody who was at the game. Well or anybody who even watched it on TV will back you back me up on this. It's just it's very confusing because you have Freddie saying the I'm old school, you know all the tough stuff, tough whatever, you know we're focused, old school, this and that. And then when you look at what's going on in the field, none of that happens. And then when you look at Pete Carroll, who's seen as kind of a loosey-goosey guy, they came in, and it was a, that was a business trip for them. They came in, and even though they were down 20-6, to six, they stayed the course, stayed with the running game, stayed focused, and very business-like fashion, they came back into that game, and they walked out of there winners because of it. Meanwhile, the Browns, I think we're getting very close to Freddie losing that locker room and that becoming... Because you already see people um, kind of subtly passing the blame on to other people. You already see... Um, you know the one thing I don't like seeing in Baker is the post game comments about the referees. You know what? Hey, w- we all saw that there was co- calls that were blown, but at some point you need to just stop, stop that. Funny, never, nobody ever mentions the calls that go their way. Well, yeah, that are... at, at some point he <laughs> needs to just be a man and take ownership. And and like I said, it, it I just the, there's just too much nonsense going on with that team. To me, if I own the team. Uh, in a perfect world, if I were the team, um, <laughs> if
0: you were a billionaire,
1: yeah, I, the first thing I would do is strip everything down to to bare bones. And I, like I said, I know this is going to sound petty. I'd get rid of all the antics, the fire coming out, um, you, you know, the tunnel, the the, the, the drums, the dogs, all that. You get rid of, rid of Swagger? I well, Swagger wow. retired. Okay, Actually this, this Swagger is Junior. Swagger Junior, <laughs> Junior, right? The the <laughs> Swagger line. I, I, I would retire all of that nonsense because we went through the entire preseason hearing about how people needed to earn their stripes. And that's why we didn't have stripes on the helmets during training camp because you had to earn that. You got to, you know, learn how to be a Brown and all that nonsense. Hey, we're seven games into the season. And I'm seeing guys that they probably should start peeling stripes off their helmets because they have not earned their stripes. Um, It has not happened. And and to me, you got to stop with the tough talk and start being tough because it's not happening right now it's just not okay so what about the defensive side of the ball right we
0: spent a lot of time talking about the offensive side of the ball you have a defensive side of the ball that's up 20 to 6 so yep. should have an idea of what they need to do got a nice lead how do they not hold it and
1: what's the problem on that side of the ball it it's confusing. It's confusing to me. The fact that we can we have an inability still after how many years in a row has the focus been? We need to we need to find a way to stop the run. When we brought Greg Williams in a couple years ago, that was the, we got to find out how to stop the run. We're focusing on how to stop the run. If you watch that game, you would think they would they had Walter Payton in the backfield. I mean, they were were getting yards whatever they needed they got and and, and I said this you know last week um, the same thing um, whatever they wanted to get they got and and we watched it with the 49ers and it's carried over to this this week and then as far as the secondary goes because somebody please tell me, what exactly is wrong with with our two dbs who sat out this week i, I mean that to me is a mystery like what is going on with them I, I mean are they are they genuinely severely hurt are they genuinely severely soft i mean what what is the deal because we need them back there we, we need them back there I yeah mean, and we
0: haven't heard anything right there's wow. there's been zero word from from the organization so you don't have a lot to go on huh. and and
1: in, in, in why we can't I, I don't know when you look at that line we have up front um, very very little pressure on the quarterback certainly not no ability whatsoever to stop the run i mean there was a couple times we stuffed them but for the most part like i said they, they ran whatever they wanted to get they got and um how you know what like i said it's week seven like how are you gonna clean that up it, it, nobody knew who was coming through that door <laughs> like <laughs> what you have is what you have. And, and, you know, when I look at the schedule, you know, everybody's saying, wow, well, we're getting close to the soft part of the schedule. The problem with that is going to be we, we may be so mathematically out of it before we get to the quote unquote soft part that it, the season may be over. I mean, in three weeks, the season could be over if, if they don't get their stuff together. And, um, you know, I, I know there's that clamoring that, oh, well, wait till Kareem Hunt comes back. Hey, my thing is this. If, if I were, I'm honest, if I were if I were John Dorsey right now, I'd be shopping Kareem Hunt for some offensive linemen, or I'd be shopping Kareem Hunt for some defensive backs. Because right now, they don't need a running back. what What is Kareem Hunt going to add to what we have right now? I, I mean, if anything, it's just going to create a disruption as far as the offense goes, because you already have um, too many guys that you're trying to get balls to. Now you're going to have one more guy in the mix. Well, but that, if it's not working... Could he
0: just be? Hey, you know what? It's another option because the the main options we have right now are are not effective.
1: I think at running back they are though. Now, uh, you know running back is not the problem right now. Yeah, but, but do you? I mean, why not put a dual backfield with Hunt and then you can run a whole ton
0: of different options. You got a lot of RPOs then that you could do. You could run some bubble screens. You got a lot of different things you could do. That yes, you can still do that with Chubb in there.
1: But hey, now we got two options. I get that, but I guess in my head I'm trying to think: if we are two and six, and now we're giving more touches to the running backs, at two and six, are we going to start losing Odell Beckham? Are we going to start losing Jarvis Landry? Is the frustration going to start to boil over? It, you know, and at some point, I, I mean, you know, another. I we'll talk about uh, wide receiver. There's another wide receiver I want to mention. Um, <laughs> but but I, we I, have I, another wide receiver. Oh. We should not have another wide receiver because, to me, uh, another one of those things in a perfect world, if I had owned the team, the first thing I would have done is uh, the minute that game was over, I would have cut uh, Antonio Callaway. That guy, if you go back and you watch the film on that game, every time, every time, he lined up at wide receiver, he did not know where he was going to where he was supposed to line up. And and if you go back through and you watch the film, because I caught it about halfway through the in the second quarter, and then uh, I just focused on him. And uh, he would run up to the line and get set where he thought he was going to be, and the other wide receivers or Baker would have to run out and reposition him because he was never lined up in the right spot. And that's something, once again, week seven, if you don't know where to line up on offense, you, you need to get that
0: guy out of there. Well, I mean, Tony, he's catching balls at, at a twenty eight percent rate. I mean, <laughs> <Wow>. which <laughs> is is pretty special. Uh, maybe not the special you want. Yeah.
1: Well, well, and and, and where was Rashard Higgins? Oh, uh, you know, have we gotten? it? I don't know if we if, if they gave an answer on that or not. Um, you know, that's that's another that's another guy out there that was preseason. He was like one of the favorite targets of Baker Mayfield. And all of a sudden, when we need first downs, when we need to get something positive going, he's on the sideline. Uh, I, according to the reports, Tony, he has knee soreness. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. We're going to have a different kind of soreness uh, against the New England Patriots if we don't get the passing game going up there right now.
0: So but, looking at that, right? That's the yeah. game coming up after the bye week. Yes. Uh, I don't think anyone necessarily has high hopes for that game. Although, knowing Browns fans... They think that's going to be the point they turn around. We're coming off a bye week. We got it rolling. The Pats, oh man, it doesn't matter because they're coming off playing the Jets, right? Oh, that'll be you know, a, a
1: mega challenge for them. What's the takeaway going into Patriots week? Well, if I had to put money on anybody in the next two weeks beating the Patriots, my money would probably be on the Jets. Um, <laughs> oh. um it, it, it's not going to be on us. I, I just I don't I don't see it happening. Uh, and we just if we're getting out coached for the first seven weeks by you know I'm not saying Pete Carroll's a lesser coach than Bill Belichick, but I think Bill Belichick has a history of. No, I think yeah. I think you can't really argue <laughs> that Bill Belichick's at the top of the mountain. Yeah, but um, I just don't see I don't see Bill Belichick getting beat uh, a bill belichick coach team being beaten by a freddie kitchens coach team i i just don't see it i mean i think you give freddie kitchens the new england patriots and give bill belichick our current browns and he would probably beat freddie kitchens i I think think. a lot of browns fans would be pretty happy (laughs) but um so yeah i i don't i don't predict good things i I mean i I know that's kind of a that's a general answer. So
0: though. so if you're the if you're the if you're Freddie Kitchens right now, right? You're you're moving into bye week, you have two weeks to prepare for the Patriots, what are you doing this week and next week? And how are you preparing this team
1: to face arguably the best team in the league? I, I feel like he needs to get a handle on the discipline. The the mental errors How that, do you do that? How do you do that? that well, I, I to be honest with you, I think it goes back to the Callaway thing. I think you need to, and I don't know if it's the Callaway specifically. Getting rid of getting rid of someone like him cleans it up, but I think you need there you need to have a shakeup like that. Some somebody needs to be held accountable for where we're at right now. Someone needs to be held accountable now. I don't think he's going to fire himself, but um, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think you've got to make a move and let people know that hey, we're serious because you can't keep having these these same post game comments by these we just need to be better at what we're doing we need to be more professional guys need to start doing what they're paid to do yeah well hey that's you should have known that day one um i, I feel like we're still we were like sleepwalking through this the way we did in the preseason i think that preseason attitude has carried over into the regular season and now it's carried in seven weeks into the season and that's just not good it's just not good he didn't have these guys ready for this season They were not ready at all. I mean, the fact that they didn't play, and I know people are going to hammer me for this saying, well, you know, uh, Tom Brady didn't play in the preseason. Yeah, but Tom Brady also has six Super Bowl wins. When you are so far behind the rest of the league, every single one of those preseason games should have been played as if our lives depended on it. Because we needed to be razor sharp from day one, knowing that our division was going to be wide open if you look back, look back at the last six weeks. Oh yeah. Like if we had been ready to play, we could have a you know a, a pretty sizable lead right now in our division. But we came out day one, opening game, just awful. And because of that, now you, you've opened the door for lesser teams, teams that we should be better than on paper. I mean, we are better than them on paper. You're going to allow those people to walk away with the division because you you just decided to sleepwalk through the preseason.
0: Well, and I don't even think that it was a decided thing that we were necessarily better than a lot of teams in the division. I think most people thought we were probably better than the Bengals, which I would argue with yes, Mm -hmm. right? But to say that the Browns were going to be significantly better than the Steelers or the Ravens would have been a leap just from a historical standpoint, right? Because Big Ben was still there at the beginning of the season. Right now, yeah, you're looking at, okay, we got the 18th-string quarterback – you know, slinging touchdowns for Pittsburgh. So we could still be better than them because of the situation they are at. But they're still winning. But they're still winning, <laughs> they're and that's the problem. problem. Yeah. And the Ravens, I don't think you'd, you, you'd be a betting man that you would take the bet that the Browns would finish ahead of the Ravens this year, right now. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens are already ahead. So yeah. you'd have to expect the Browns, yes, the schedule is sh- charm soft coming up, but that's after the Patriots you still do have the bills and that defense is going to wreak some havoc here, but then you do have the dolphins. You do have the Cardinals. You do have those Bengals teams. You do have the Pittsburgh team. So there's opportunities, but this team has not shown that they are capable of taking advantage of those opportunities.
1: No, no, and I, you know, I think one of the the big games I keep hearing Denver is one of those gimme games. I, I I think the way their defense is playing, if our offense continues to play like it's playing, I mean, that could be a game that, that slips out of our hand too. And in, at this point, you you pretty much have to. You don't have to run the table, but I'd say you got to at least go seven and three from here on out Great. to give yourselves a chance. If you don't have nine wins, you don't have a chance. Um, and, and I have to believe that we need to get nine wins for this to be even considered a successful season. I, I think if you go less than nine and seven, the season is a failure. Eight and eight is a failure. It, it just simply is. Um, Eight and eight's a letdown. I don't know if it's a failure, given just
0: given team history, right? I think eight and eight, if it didn't have all the hype that was surrounding this, I think if 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 you said, hey, in the second year of a quarterback, you're going to have a seven, eight, and one season, his first year, you're going to go eight and eight the second year. Not obviously, Odell threw off some of those variables and things like that. I think if you would have said that a couple years ago, when they drafted Baker, first year seven, eight, and one, second year eight and eight people would have been happy now yes that might be a bit of a disappointment i wouldn't say it's a failure just
1: given the historical nature of the last 20 years but well i I think i think it's not great the the reason the reason we don't consider eight and eight a failure is because we're we're, we're browns fans um (laughs) I well, I'm not disagreeing was, with that. I'm we not were, disagreeing uh, with that. If with you're a Patriots
0: condition. fan, yes, this, this <laughs> is a complete and utter failure. But if you're a Browns fan or a Bills fan or uh, maybe a Lions fan or, or something like that, then eight and eights ain't yeah. so shabby.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I, I just I just don't like the direction. I, I don't like the direction we're headed in And, and I think and I, and I said this, um, you know, I've said this before, I think the, the biggest problem I have with the organization, Was the the lack of foresight um, as far as what would happen when you make what happens when you make Freddie Kitchens the head coach? I feel like Freddie Kitchens had a great relationship with Baker Mayfield. They were doing some really good stuff last year. Now, albeit against you know sub five hundred competition, but they were at least they were at least winning. I mean, you can't complain about us beating sub five hundred teams. I I mean, you got to beat those teams to win. But the, the problem I have with them promoting Freddie to head coach so early is that now I don't see a scenario where you can walk him back to offensive coordinator um, solely. If if we find out by the end of this season that he's not able to be a head coach, like he just doesn't have what it takes to be a head coach, well now look, look, look where you've put yourself. You've put yourself in a position where um, – this How are you going to know that?
0: How are you going to know that at the end of one year? Well, I mean, I, what would what would have to happen
1: with the team or record-wise we for you to and, feel if confident? If we went 7 and 9, I would feel like he's not not getting it done. If we continue uh, on the trajectory um, with the mental errors that we're making, um, with the just a lack of development, I, I think you could honestly say that Baker Mayfield has regressed in year 2. Um I you can't say that he's getting better.
0: Yeah, um, but that I mean that happens sometimes, right? I mean, Drew Brees didn't have a great second year and you know, the the Chargers drafted Phillip Rivers to take his job. Yeah. Well, so yeah. how do you how do you measure some of that stuff, right? Is is it too early to tell? Do you give him extra year or do you do pull the ultimate Browns as they've done in the
1: past and fire a guy after one year? Well, unfortunately I think you've put yourself yeah, it wouldn't surprise. Let me preface it with this: it wouldn't surprise me if they did fire him. But it, but I, I just, I don't know. I think if you give him another year, then what's the what's the number you're putting him at for that that year for next year? I mean, what does he have to do next year to keep his job next year? I mean, I, I think he'd have to go to the playoffs and he'd have to. Well, I think
0: regardless game. of what happens, even if they keep him next year, even if they if they go nine and seven and don't make the playoffs because of some other teams and they don't make the playoffs next year, I can't imagine necessarily a scenario
1: where he would keep his job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great being a Browns fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I, I, there's just so much, when, when I look at just all the things that need to be corrected for us to right the ship, I just feel like the list is much bigger than what Freddie Kitchens can handle. It's just much bigger. And and I just think that's from what I've seen in the last year and a half. I mean, uh, I don't feel like he has a good handle on this team. And when you bring in talent that does not bring leadership with it, because I don't feel like there's a ton of leadership on this team. It's a lot of individuals doing individual stuff. That's not good. Not when you have the youngest roster in football. When you have the youngest roster in football, that's when you need to do like Um, You know, Bill Belichick, when Bill Belichick was here his first time around, you bring in the Mark Bavaros, the Pepper Johnsons, people who are, yeah, they may be long in the tooth, but they know how to win for one, and they know how to prepare and be a professional. And like I said, I I don't think we have that. If you just sit back and watch the Browns pregame at home, watch what they're doing, and then when they start playing, watch the players. Watch Callaway. I mean, watch him this week, uh, you know, when he plays against New England. Watch what he's doing. He does not, I mean, that stuff bothers me. You can't have a starter who doesn't know where he needs to line up. It's not like we signed him on Wednesday and he played <laughs> in the game on Sunday. I mean, this is a guy that's been in the offense, you know, this multiple years, right? And, yeah. and it, you know, he's a number three wide receiver. It's not like he's a guy that's just hanging out on the bench waiting to get in. And before Odell was here, you know, came here, he was our one or two receiver, right? I mean, so for him to not know where he's supposed to be at, I, I just, that bothers me. And and how is that going to get corrected? Who's going to correct that? I don't, I don't know. know.
0: Well, it's tough times in the building there. We got, obviously, the game with Seattle under our belts, and it didn't fit well. We got Baker struggling. We got the defensive uh, defense not playing very well. We have the Patriots. At their place, in two weeks, after the bye, we have a head coach that may be out of his element.
1: Well, he he did provide a solution. He said yesterday, the solution is for us to play as a team. So that's, I don't know if, if, uh, you know, more, you know. It's Lombardi-esque. That's Lombardi-esque. It's, you know, it's very, maybe Pat Shermer-esque. I mean, I don't know, but... um, as long as we play like a team, I guess that's that's the key right there. We play like a team, and, and uh, Bill Belichick's got trouble okay. in two weeks.
0: Two weeks. We're looking forward to play like a team. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick. Believe in the Browns. I guess we have to. But we're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Again, if you enjoy the show, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. And we'll be back shortly for our next podcast, Believe in the Browns. Have a good one, folks. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.